This is Dad Mentality. I am Rodney Glover. I'm your host. So we're going to tell you a little bit about ourselves. So that's all. You, you'll definitely learn more about us as this uh, podcast goes on. I'm grateful that I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what we're getting ready to get into and what we're going to start. The thing is, I've been blessed with a lot of friends that have, that all are great men and dads. But I found that we don't talk to each other now. There is a difference between being a good man and being good at being a man. Something you look at me like, wow, but honestly, man, I would, I, I, I wouldn't change it. We experience, and those things, you know, ultimately make us who we are. That's that's what I believe. Like, Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Dad Mentality. I am your host. This is Rodney Glover, a.k.a. The Beast One. I'm glad to be here again for another episode this week. I also don't do this by myself. I got my man since I was four years old with me, Vance Robs, a.k.a. Coach. How you doing, Vance? I'm doing good. How y'all? Man, doing good today, brother. Doing good today. So we got a good episode planned for y'all this week. I got a couple co-hosts as we talk about PTSD. Uh, it was something that I definitely wanted to bring on the show because I feel we don't talk about this enough as a community and as you know, men and as a culture. So I called in a few uh, what I would call my um, my heavy duty. Uh, co-host and especially about any kind of subject about mental health and this that, and the other so let's start with uh, he's been with us before he's currently writing a book called the things we don't talk about hopefully we'll get an update about the book and see what that is but y'all remember he was here for our show the way i am talking about uh, mental health and self-care he is sergeant jamel garrett how you doing sergeant garrett hey what's going on man i'm doing good and can't complain uh, you know what? I apologize. He is retired, Sergeant <laughs> Jamel Garrett. So yeah, just he he's retired recently, and and I, I guess how's life retired life treating you? Oh man, it's lovely. It's it's, it's making me spoiled, or I don't want to go back to work. <laughs> yeah, he ain't doing nothing. All he's doing <laughs> is sitting at home, sitting out on this porch like uh-huh. he is right now. Yeah, fresh balcony and everything. Sitting out you see it, right? Yeah, yeah. He was like, I don't even want to be in the house no more. Let me get out of this balcony. <laughs> but anyway, but, uh, you know, I also called in another one of my, I was I called him a hired gun, I guess, when it comes to topics and things, especially uh, something like this, because this gentleman is a chief in the U.S. Army. He's done 22 years. He is soon to retire, I think, this March. And uh, when is it? Yeah, March? December. No, no. Yeah, yeah. December? No, 
No, I hit terminal leave in December. I'm out of the army officially in March. Okay, they still got to pay. They still got to pay me for another. Another <laughs> Don't cut you, you know, to right. ninety days. Uh. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish my intro. So you know, he's been to Germany, Italy. He's done two uh, two deployments in Afghanistan, a deployment in Iraq. He's currently um, a capability. Uh, developer for the army, so he's. I guess he gets to test all the cool stuff and, and you know shoot it first or aim it first or drive it first because he's been doing everything there so that he could. Um, I know he also part time teaches and helps develop a lot of uh, people, men, adult, women in his community. Um, he's been my friend since I think we was probably around fourteen years old, all from the Beachwood crew. You know, shout out to the Beachwood crew, but it's. Chief James Ayler, a.k.a. Jimmy. What's up, Jimmy? How you doing, sir? What's up, good people, man? I'm doing great. Uh, like I said, real close to terminal leave. Um, just enjoying life. And in the summer, daughter going to college. So that's a new thing. So um, other than that, man, just getting ready for this transition. Um, yeah, like you said, you know, teaching at the community college, doing different things. So um, just trying to stay flexible, trying to stay relevant. Um, Trying to get ready to mentally transition and happy to be here to be part of the team. Yeah, you can definitely reach out to uh, Sergeant Gary. It looks like he's he's soaking in that retired life as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're going we gonna to get on to that later. But let's start with um, what we do every week, which is our Twitch mental health check-in, where we uh, rate our week from zero to ten and talk about how we're doing and where we're at. I'm going to go ahead and start first. Uh, this week was a little challenging this week, um, but you know what? I, I just had a conversation with, uh, with uh, Chief, Chief Jimmy here, and he was talking about resiliency. And you know what? And, and, and it really hit me to my heart because, you know, resiliency is what defines a lot of things in my life because I've been hit uh, left and right by a lot of things that, and even this show today, we had, we had a couple of hiccups, which you know, I quickly got solved and everybody definitely helped me out and understood that we're all here to, to, to help one pass. So, you know what, uh, I started off the week at, with a very low score. Uh, my son had his track meet today that excelled my score. And then, you know, excited about the show today is excelling my score. So I would say right now, I'm sitting at a solid 8.5. Um, I probably feel even better after the show is done and, that, and, and you know, the happiness of knowing that the show is done. So I'm about 8.5. Uh, Vance, you want to go ahead and give your score next? Yeah, man, um, the, the last week or so has been, you know what I'm saying, um, it, it's been a pretty decent week, you know what I'm saying, for the most part. Um, you know what I mean? As usual, you know what I'm saying, this is a busy time of the year for work. Um, so got a couple major things going on that are kind of like I, I've been telling y'all over the last couple of weeks coming to a close um the probably this week or next so um that they had had uh, a nephew graduate high school you know what I'm saying which nice. was, was great on Friday you know what I mean um saw a bunch of my football players graduate that day as well so that was Tremendous. Um, I did have a death in the family though this weekend. So oh, sorry to hear um, that, brother. Which is, which is pretty. Which is it's a it's, it's going to be a tough one to swallow. You know what I mean? I think the family is still processing uh, it right now. Um, I don't know that it was unexpected, but it was definitely too soon. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So 
um that that's something that's you know what i'm saying been weighing me last i say two days um but overall i mean i would say seven and a half eight is about where i'm at right now um with everything that's going on i mean you got your joys and then you got your sadness you know what i'm saying it's this taking place this week so um but overall you know what i'm saying that resiliency definitely is a good word to to use for anybody, you know what I'm saying, when they're going throughout their week. So I appreciate that, definitely. Yeah, excellent, excellent. All right, I'm going to go ahead and go to uh, Sergeant Garrett. How you doing, Sergeant Garrett? Tell us about this beautiful retired life you live in. Man, look, I'm getting lazy and don't want to go back to work. Uh, I, I would say my my week has been a solid uh, eight and a half. Um, so I've been working on my resume this week and, you know, I haven't written a resume in about 16 years. So um, because every job I've had in the military, my resume was my my uh, my evals, my my annual evaluations. They would just look at those and determine whether I would get a job or an award or whatnot. Uh, so this is a little bit different for me, but um, it's just learning to switch your mindset from what you've been doing for 20 years to essentially you're doing the same thing you're just speaking another language you just have to learn that language so that's the look my, my mental health talk that's my self-talk that i'm telling myself uh to make it a little bit easier um but uh you know it, it ended on a bang my son went to uh his eighth grade formal looking clean you know black suit white nice. shirt with the white air force ones on man he was killing it he was killing it okay uh, so uh, that really made me feel good. good. And, you know, he's, uh, yeah, he, he's hitting that transition time where, you know, he's leaving middle school. And I just you know that the game is getting real now because he's in high school. So I'm actually really glad that I'm retired. So I get to be there with him to help him through that stage of development. So I'm about a, about a solid eight, eight and a half. Okay, excellent. I'm glad to hear that, man. Um, yeah, man, I remember those days at, 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 at that 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 state right there. Cause I remember I was psyched. I, I grew six inches that summer between eight and eight and ninth grade. So when I got when I got in the ninth grade, they they didn't even know who I was. It was like, hey, no. So you know, especially the girls started looking at me different because I was no. I used to hold the little picture at the front of the class because I was always the shortest person in the class. And then ninth grade, boy, I shot up. I was psyched. So you know. I'm glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. All right. What about you, Jimmy? How you feeling this week? Man, you already know, man, I'm on I'm on 10, bro, because and I'll be honest, you know, I'm not sure if you all have ever had um, um, outside family live with you for whatever reason, short period, long period. Um, but my mother-in-law was living with us since like September, bro. And she was going through a lot of medical stuff and um, in all honesty, if she hadn't came up from Georgia when she did, she probably wouldn't be here now. So my wife brought her up, got her situated. You know, VCU has an amazing medical team down at the, the um, Massey Cancer Center. Um, they did a great job with her, getting her back on track, getting her on chemos. Um, but the relationship between my wife and her mom has never been good, which was one of the reasons why my wife went in the military, which is the reason why I met my wife. So I can't be too upset about that. But, you know, just speaking realistically, it's like, man, you know, uh, for months, you know, just constantly talking about, like, hey, man, you've got to fix this relationship with your wife, with your mom, because it's impacting our kids, it's impacting me, but we're going to be here. But at the end of the day, we're upset because you're upset. Uh, long story short, um, they were able to come to a cordial agreement that it was time for her to 
um, go back to Georgia where she had more family support, you know, two brothers, two sisters and a son and, you know, in the state, this town where she's from, instead of up here with us, you know, I think we got her back where she needed to be. Um, she was able to go home. Everybody's happy. They're not no bad blood. Uh, and we have our house back, you know, and my wife, you know, really from September last year to just this last week, man, she was still in the same spot, you know, and, you know, uh, not speaking, uh, not, not to take this as a negative way on women, but women love to have their New Year's resolutions, man. And all my wife's New Year's resolutions stopped, you know, when that happened. So she was really excited about going into January 2023, about doing all this new stuff, and she just wasn't able to do it. So I'm on 10 right now. I'm really excited. My wife is happy. Uh, her mom is even happy, you know, just being back in Georgia. Uh, my daughter graduated. Uh, she's getting ready to go to Virginia Tech. My son hasn't brought a B home on a report card in two years. He's going to his He's playing the baritone sax and breaking all, um, you know, stereotypes within his school and within the community. So um, I'm super excited, man. I got nothing to complain about. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm on 10, bro. And if the number was higher, I'd take it. But I also know that, you know, when, when you're having a good time and you're floating up here, you know, it's going to come down. So I'm ready. Whenever it comes down, it come down. I'll yeah, be ready man. for it. You Absolutely. Know? You got it. You got it. Yeah, it definitely happens. And you got to be able to ride that, uh, you know, life is hills and valleys, you know, mm -hmm. it's hills and valleys. So you got you got to be able to ride through that valley and hope that, you know, as long as you keep your mental focus on on the good times and things like that and know that nothing lasts forever. It's it's going to end, you know. Nothing's last forever, even with you know having family come. They got eventually they're gonna go home. Eventually it's gotta end. So yeah. you know that yeah, yeah, I'm glad every, I'm glad to hear that, brother. Every surfer fall off they surfboard. That's whether yep. you're gonna get back there on that go. surfboard or not. You know what I'm saying? You either a surfer or you're not. What you gonna do? There you go, absolutely. So Man. so fellas, uh, uh PTSD has always been a topic that I wanted to discuss on our show. Um and I mean, I've done some research. I'm glad I have an expert on here. So I want to, uh, uh, Sergeant Garrett, if you can start us off by just giving us what what is like the clinical, I guess the clinical definition of PTSD, or what is the, you know, what exactly is the what is it considered? So PTSD is a uh, trauma disorder. Uh, so it used to be labeled an anxiety disorder under the DSM-4, but uh, in 2000, and I think it was 2015, somewhere in there, it got reclassified into its own category, and so it's considered, you know, a trauma disorder, and pretty much what it is, it is um, psychological impact, so impact, uh, impacting your behaviors, your mood, your um, overall well-being, uh, as a result of some traumatic experience or some experience that um, was was traumatic for you or life-threatening or anything that was a really impactful. So for most people, most people, they'll get over it without having symptoms um, over the course of about a month. You start looking at PTSD as a diagnosis for people uh, when you go beyond 30 days. In fact, um, a precursor to PTSD is something called acute stress disorder. Uh, acute stress pretty much lasts for 30 days. Uh, beyond that, you start looking at what we know as PTSD. Okay. Um, yeah, the it. important thing is, is something that, you know, not everybody faces. The vast majority of people who experience some event, they will have some level of normal functionality 
after about a month. You start looking at PTSD after that month. Hmm. So, so what I, you know, just doing the research that I've come up, what I've found is most people associate PTSD with the military or you've been in some type of war zone. Is, is, is PTSD something that is only that kind of issue or can a regular person just like had uh, some type of trauma in their childhood or some type of trauma during, you know, the growing up that may, like if you lived in a bad neighborhood, gunshots were all the time. What, what, uh, is, is it just a military thing or is it more than just that? Oh, it is more than just that. It is a society thing. So anyone who experiences any kind of life-threatening situation can experience PTSD. Uh, the experiences that you were just talking about, those are called ACEs. Uh, adverse childhood experiences. People who experience ACEs, uh, ACEs are more likely to actually come down with PTSD in the future in their adult life. Hmm. So basically what you were just describing, that that puts you in a category where you're more likely to actually experience PTSD as an adult. Okay. Yeah, I, I would that. I mean, I know it's a lot. Of, a lot of people did associate it with uh, the military. But, I mean, it could be anything as small as, you know what I'm saying, getting in a really bad car accident. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and that triggering how you drive the rest of your life. You know what I mean? Some people are scared to drive. Some people won't are scared to ride with people um, and so forth. Um, uh, you guys, some of you guys know I'm part of a bike club. And, I mean, I dropped my bike in the rain on a major highway. And for two or three years, I was scared to go downhill on a bike. Mm. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah. And yep. I've seen people get hit by, uh, I had friends that have gotten hit by cars on bikes that were scared to ride again. You know what I mean? So yeah. those, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you, man. <laughs> I'm with you. So, you know, and, and it's good that we, we, we have to make that separation between the two. Cause you know, especially like say the military, especially after, 9-11 and with, with Operation During Freedom in Afghanistan and Iraq, you know, it's all we got all these soldiers, you know, got to take care of our veterans. They all got PTSD. You know, we got all the bad images. And obviously, uh, society wants to do a better job than what they did with those soldiers who came back from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when they just called them shell-shocked and a lot of them was coming back on, on su- with substance abuse issues because of mm-hmm. opium that was over there. Um, but you're right, man. I mean, shoot, I grew up in Forest Heights, man, in the 90s, between Forest Heights and Temple Hills. And I mean, shoot, man, we lost five dudes in Forest Heights in the, the span of like a year and a half mm-hmm. between ninety between ninety four and ninety five. I want to say we lost five dudes, man. Like at the liquor store, at the police shot this guy. This girl got hit by a bus. This happened. This happened. You know, it was a lot, bro. And it was like, man, you know, what am I doing? I'm in the tenth grade. Like you looking weird at everything that's happening. You moving different. You know, it, it, it impacted. Um, you know, the way a lot of us moved back then. Um, it made some of us worse, you know, than what we were. And it made some of us kind of think three, four times about what we was doing. And that happened all around, specifically in PG County and on the south side of D.C., you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I can agree with that. I, you know, I have, I don't feel I've had long-term, but I've definitely had some short-term things, when, especially when you witnessed or seen something traumatic in, in your lifetime. And, um, so when, let me ask you a question, uh, Jimmy. When you went into the military, 
was did you feel like you were getting away from that type of thing or do you feel that it increased when you got there or how did you feel when you first got into the military uh it's a great question man um I, honestly bro when i left um i was running from myself bro um I, I was stuck between so many different rocks and hard places and decisions that um had me in in, in very precarious situations um you know and, and I think that I was I was on the verge of making a very adult decision um, in between all of my very juvenile decisions. But I was, uh, you know, I was thinking about getting the townhouse, um, having my sister come into the townhouse and my dad come into the townhouse. And, you know, but I was I was out looking at places, you know, just on the job that I had and the different things I was doing to generate income at the time. Um, and I was out looking at stuff with real estate agents, man. You know, I kind of came to a conclusion, man, after going to seeing about six or seven different places. Man, I was like, man, you know, if I do this. I'm gonna be married to this property. I'm gonna be married to paying the bills. I'm gonna be married to, which means I'm gonna be married to the community that I move in. And, you know, I couldn't afford nothing but stuff in PG County. And I was like, man, I can't do this. You know, um, if I do this, I'm never gonna leave. I'm never, I'm not gonna do this and then turn around and go in the military later, you know? So, mm -hmm. and um, I didn't join until two years after, you know, I, I always told myself, give me two years. You know, I took my ASVAB in high school, did pretty well. And, um, recruiter was like hey man your test score is good for two years i said bet i see you in 19 months <laughs> you know let me, let me let me go try my way first you know i went back to him at the 19 month mark i said hey man my score is still good he's like yeah you still got so, all right give me about three more months to figure it out and i ended up joining before it expired but um no i really didn't at that point in my life i didn't really care what the military was going was going to test me with Cause I didn't know, you know, I just looked at people that made it and I was like, I'm at least as tough as them. Um, and that was, that was really my only conclusion, but I was running for myself and the stuff that, that, that I got myself into. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. The military so tends to do that too. It tends to be that escape, you know, um, for a lot of people. Um, but one of the things I'm glad about is it gives people a chance to, if they take the opportunity uh, to work on themselves. Um, and look oh, yeah. at those things like trauma, you know, working, especially I really discovered this when I did mental health work in the prison, at the, uh, the prison down, the DOD prison down in Charleston. Um, so many people join with those those ad adverse childhood experiences that impact them. And, you know, they make God awful yep. decisions that lead them into jail, um, but they get an opportunity to work on those things. So that's good. Yeah. And, and I'll and I'll tell you, because um, I, I don't know which way this might lead the conversation, but the, the worst part about it was shoot three months after I got out of basic training and got to my unit and I'm actually in the army for three months and private a lore and doing what I'm told and being where I'm supposed to be. 9-11 happens and 30 days later, I'm in Afghanistan. So, mm. you know, all the stuff I ran away from, I ended up running into a brand new monster. But, you know, the, the blessing in all of that was, man, I'm telling you, I told myself when I joined, I'm doing Four years, I'm getting out. Within 30 days of being in Afghanistan, and you know, I was a tow truck driver and mechanic at the same time. Within 30 days, I said, I'm not getting out. Like, there's no way I'm getting out. I love this. You know, I'm good at it. You know, I'm going to do this until they, they don't want me no more. So I actually found a home. I found what I was looking for, and I didn't even know that that was where it was at. Good stuff. Nice. You didn't know what you needed till you needed it. Until you until found you got it. it. It's, yep. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. All right, so post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, some of the things I looked at, they talked about what was called the, the flight, fight, or freeze. Is that something that they still associated with, or 
Can you break down what that fight, flight, or freeze is? Yeah, so that's not just associated with PTSD. Uh, fight, flight, or freeze are typical responses to, um, you know, the, the old cliche saying is um, um, normal responses to abnormal situations. Uh, mm-hmm. You either, you either uh, run from it, which is the uh, flight. flight, you either fight it, like if your life depends on it or whatever, then, you know, you're going to try and fight your way out, or you just freeze, where you don't kind of don't know what to do. Um, so that's where that comes from. And that's that's not necessarily just because you have that response doesn't mean you necessarily have PTSD. That's like a, a normal human reaction to those kind of um, situations. Yeah, those, those situations you don't really find yourselves in. Hopefully you don't find yourselves in every day. Okay. Yeah. All right. yeah. uh, one of the things when I looked at they, they talked about was um, the four basic uh, things of PTSD. And like I said, you know, I'm no doctor. I just looked on the internet and who knows if this, whatever you read on the internet is correct. I mean, <laughs> you know, if that's that case. If that was the case, I was always sick when I got all kinds of issues and this, that, and other. But, you know, they said one of the hey, main remember, things is... <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, remember when remember when we used to uh, get, have encyclopedias? And if you, you know, you had that one friend that had a whole set and you thought they was rich. Like that was one, one friend back in the day. yeah. Yeah, you had those definitely a, a hallmark of it yeah intrusive thoughts or yeah. memories about the event that happened um the key is those have to be intrusive and involuntary like they just pop up um normally those happen when something tied to your, your uh, senses reminds you of the event so um a common one dealing with people dealing with like military trauma for example um blast victims and ieds and explosions um I've, I've worked with people who, who were, quote, triggered by um, those intrusive thoughts whenever they were at a barbecue. And it's kind of dark, but like the smell of meat cooking is wow. something that would trigger yeah. that. Um, because PTSD is one of those things that it really uh, affects your uh, amygdala and hippocampus. So that's where the emotions and kind of memories are, are there, they're stored. So when those events happen, what your brain, your brain at a pretty much basic emotional level, uh, they call it our lizard brain at a like evolutionary level. We don't remember it with our prefrontal cortex. We remember it in our amygdala. So a sight, a sound, a smell, like those are the things that trigger those intrusive thoughts. Yeah, like fireworks or something like that. Exactly. War, war memories or something. Yeah, that, that, that happened to me. Coach that did that. Yeah, that happened to me. Like, um, I I was I was a uh, Air Force Security Forces for uh, the first seven years of my, my career, and um, I deployed uh, twice to Iraq before I cross trained into mental health, and deployed three more times. But um, uh, we we had uh, mortar and rocket attacks all the time, and then the next Fourth of July, you know, people shooting fireworks. I, I didn't even know, and then you got to keep. I'm like 21 at the time. I don't I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but fireworks are going off because people are shooting fireworks. That's what we do. And like, I'm, I'm super anxious. Like I, I can't sleep. Um, I'm, I'm a little jittery and I just, I just always remember it's like two o'clock in the morning. Cause I never could go back to sleep. I'm watching the Batman cartoon on the cartoon network. The power, not the not the old school one, not the old school where it said power cross. You talking about real nah, life? Yeah, yeah, nah, the he one the no Adam West. Yeah, no, not that one. Yeah, the one from the nineties. Yeah, the one from the nineties. That's that four B. You talking about the actual cartoon with Robin and all that on it? Yeah, man. Switch box. Got put on the B channel. Yeah. Yeah, it's look that 1992 Emmy winning Batman animated series is what I was watching. Yeah, yeah, man. But like, I I couldn't sleep, and like, I just remember thinking at that moment as I'm sitting in the chair in my underwear, like, what am I doing? Like, what is going on? Uh, so yeah, it's nah, a thing. Man. It happens. Don't 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 feel bad, bro. I'm the same way. So uh, I know Rod said two deployments. So I've been to Afghanistan four times, Iraq once, man. So yeah. I was in Afghanistan driving. Um, Driving my Hemet record was an eight wheel recovery vehicle. You could tow up to 120,000 pounds if you know what you're doing. Oh, and yeah. um, man, that first year, man, I think I drove oh, about 40 or 50,000 miles. You know, and that's a lot for a military vehicle. You might think about your yeah. car, like in a year, you put on about, you know, however many mm -hmm. miles, 30, mm -hmm. 40, 50,000 miles, man, that's running back and forth from, from Bagram to Kandahar to Kabul right. to Bagram to Kandahar yeah. to Kabul. And you know, the whole thing, because back then in 01, 02, it wasn't even like we we were talked taught taught about you know UXO, but IEDs really didn't come into 05, you right. know late 04, 05. But mm -hmm. even still, it was like, hey, don't drive in the pothole, don't do this, don't do that. So, and then you know all the 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 other deployments after that, um, you know all the way into 2013, 14, and 15, um, dude, I can't drive down the road and there's a, a box in the road. Man, wow. I'm swerving it. Yep. Um, I mean, like yep. there's there's no <laughs> way I'm driving over a dead carcass in, unless it's a squirrel. Um, anything bigger than a squirrel, a box, something blowing in the wind. Because mm -hmm. the spidey senses immediately go off. I mean, I, I'm I've had to deal with it long enough where I'm cool. Like well, I, as soon as I came back from deployment, man, I slammed on brakes in the middle of the road down in Georgia because it was, it's a box in the road. Man, come on, man. Ain't nobody putting no bombs in the road in Richmond Hill, Georgia. But my head <laughs> wouldn't tell me that. Yeah, my head was back there. Me... Yeah, my head was still back there, you know. Yep. And unfortunately, you know, and I'm sure we'll get there, but unfortunately, you know, most of us, especially the young guys, you know, we we medicate that with alcohol, you know, yep. um, and 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 I'll glorify it in the military, regardless of how they advertise it, you know, it's part of our culture. So um we medicate that with alcohol and then you put alcohol with a lot of these mental health issues, man. It doesn't make it better. Um, and I'm learning that now as an older guy who can't drink as much. I'm not around people as much, you know, so but yeah, I, I'll digress. And, 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 but yeah, it, it's heavy. You get heavy, man. Yeah. Hey, yeah. That, that, so, man, well, since you brought it up, I would like to talk about it more. So, what, do you, what is this? So, alcohol, I'm assuming, is probably one of the top things that people do to try to deal with it. Um, can you tell me, you know, uh, uh, you know? Well, first, let me go ahead and go through the rest of these explanations, just explaining the PTSD, and then we can start talking about treatment and, and things like that. So, um, the other thing they talked about was intense emotions, which I mean, we kind of got into that as well when they say that sometimes, like, things can trigger trigger 
like you were saying, intense emotions, like for instance, a, a box on the road or as much as fireworks going off or things like that. Then another thing they talk about is bodily changes was uh, what they put on there and um, behavioral changes, which yeah. to me, you know, I, I think they kind of go together as far as uh, I can understand your changes in behavior. But what are, what are like some of those most common things that you've seen about bodily change or behavioral change as far as associated with PTSD or just trauma in general? So uh, it's actually really interesting. Um, it can look so many different ways depending on the person. So it's actually not uncommon for sexual assault um, survivors to become mm. sexually promiscuous afterwards. That's a okay. symptom of trauma. And what that is, is that's that's control. See, I didn't have control when this thing happened to me. But so now I control so it. So now I can control it. That's that's some of the behavior changes um that that uh that, I, that i've seen you know in in working with military communities um what you see a lot of um you probably hit yep that's that fire department they responded to a car accident i don't even hear him right now hey well I, i'll go ahead and go hop ahead. on while he while he muted that up so right. i mean I, i'll give you one man like i can't do crowds man um at yep. all like okay. rodney you already know man back in the day boy i was i was leaving it I was leading a snake through through the icebox. You know what I'm saying? We was gonna make our way to the front, whether it was the icebox, the ibex, the safari club, whatever it was. I could do the yeah. crowds, the go-go's outside, inside. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it no more. I, I mean, because um, one, it's a lot going on in America. That's a whole other podcast. But I just, I just can't do crowds, man. Like my daughter graduated, man. They graduated in the arena and get to you. You know, and it was a nice, cool day, man. I got on a stoop. You know, I'm looking clean, trying. You know, got the school colors on. And for some reason, they had no organization when they let them out. They just kind of let them out. There's one little tunnel, and they had everybody kind of in the front of a little courtyard. Man, there's got to be 2,000 people out there. And I felt like I was back in Afghanistan trying to clear a crowd, you know, at the at the bazaar so that we can get our vehicles through. And I'm sitting there looking at everybody. And then one second, I'm thinking that. The next second, I'm thinking I'm back in the club, you know, like in the go-go or something. I mean, you know, like that's how I'm literally moving through the crowd. I done left my family. And told them, hey, meet me at the stop sign by where we park, you know, go to the subway, make a left, don't come. You know, I'm giving all these kind of instructions and stuff, man. Like, you know, my kids mess with me. They say I'm one of the parents on that uh, insurance commercial because I be thinking about how we're going to leave before we even get there. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, you out three different routes of exit. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we were taught growing yeah, you gotta up. You got to know your egress we, we were taught how to get out. Right, yeah, you know, yeah, so when you right. get there, learn how to get out. So, and yeah. that's something that really, when you talk about trauma, think about that. Like we all were taught, hey, mind your surroundings. Like I find myself, mm -hmm. I, I was in a situation uh, a couple weeks ago where I was telling my son, like, hey, you see, like, look at these people around you. Like, look, look mm -hmm. who's looking at you. Look at who's doing this. Like, think about the generational trauma that we have experienced mm -hmm. in this country that gets passed down mm -hmm. uh, because nah, of that. straight up. Straight up, man, because, I mean, my so my kids are, so my daughter is 17, about to be 18, my son's 16. Um, they went through their preteen years, like those early teen years over in Italy, you know, going to DOD schools and missed mm -hmm. the entire, you know, American childhood nightmare kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when we came back to the States, you know, we was in Illinois, we was only out there for a year, so they was protected again. Um, and we came back here to the East Coast. It was COVID. So it was like, 
you know, every, okay. they were like, hold on, now it's all super weird. So as soon as I got a chance, I took them back home. I took them to D.C. because, you know, they're not from D.C. they yeah. best kids. Have no idea. No idea. No surroundings or nothing. They walking yeah. around that joint free Took them on the south side to MLK and was like, get out. Look around. What do you see? Uncomfortable. You know, but and it wasn't it wasn't to punish them or anything like that. And it's not to to, um, you know, speak negatively on anybody who's still in that community. It's just that you need to understand that, you know, the sacrifices that your mom and I have made was was to protect you so that you don't have to go through some of the traumas that we went through. You know, mm-hmm. my wife is from deep south Georgia, where shoot, I don't think she wore shoes until she was probably seven years old. You know, wow. when they play in the dirt, they got grass. Dirt roads, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just, they just, they riding four-wheelers at six, seven years old. That's just, it's a different kind. But at the same time, they got a different type of trauma down there. Well, who you could talk yeah. to, who you can look at, yeah. who you can't And what neighborhoods you can go in. Yeah. And it ain't, yeah. and it got to do what with city? skin color. What right. city, you know, what gas station, where you can go to the grocery store. Yeah, sundown time. You can't get caught on that side of the county. Exactly. At night. Exactly. Right. So, and it's a, and it's a blessing to be able to kind of like reflect now and look at it, but it's also a chore to make sure that we discuss it on a regular basis. You know, sitting them down every time this stuff happened on TV. Um, I got I actually got a picture. I was going through some old pictures. I got a picture when I had set my kids down to explain them what was going on in Baltimore with Freddie Gray, and they didn't understand. They was too small, you know. And then now they older. And they like this stuff still happening. I'm like, this stuff been happening since before all of us was here. Yeah. So like, don't think about it like this is a new occurrence. This is how um, certain segments in America are. The question is, what are you going to do about it? You know, are you going to play into the stereotype? You're going to play into the game. You're going to separate yourself. But I, again, I don't want to steer the conversation in a different direction. But because then you're talking about demographic PTSD. You know, generational PTSD. Yeah, you know, and there there's starting to be a lot of research in that field now because what we know about PTSD from a treatment standpoint has is pretty much been the 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 vast majority of it has been within the past 15 to 20 years. Um the wars in Iraq mm-hmm. and Afghanistan really helped to further along the research. There's an organization the the Defense uh, Psychological Center of Excellence. They've done like just literally decades worth of work, past few decades worth of work. Uh, learning about PTSD and then that information, you know, it's matriculated into the civilian sector where they've done even more research. That's where the uh, research into the average childhood experiences and all those stuff comes in. Now they're actually really looking at um, how racial distress and how like the trauma from racial distress and just trauma in general, how it's genetic, like it can be passed down genetically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really interesting when you recap. There's a book right now. It's it's um it's called The Body Keeps the Score, and it basically talks about how your body can respond to trauma, and how you can pass that along. Uh, one researcher was looking at um even the name post traumatic stress disorder because that's saying that the traumas happened in the past. Do we like even need to call it exactly? Do we need to call it po- like present yeah. uh, traumatic stress disorder? Uh, it's really interesting. There's a lot of research in uh was what's happening right now. A lot. A lot of good things in the field to further our understanding of that as to why particularly we as black folks in America, you know, are the way we are. And, you know, those things like the things that your grandmama's passed down, you know, like, baby, you know, don't 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 let nobody know how much money you got. 
you know that that came from somewhere like hey be yeah. careful when you when you out there if you were in a room with a bunch of men you know be careful not to look too threatening you know that came yeah. from somewhere hey whatever happened in this whatever happened in this house stay in this house all that yep. Kind of stuff yep and, all and i mean stuff. we could talk for hours about what you're supposed to say to the police and what you're not supposed to say regardless of the correct yeah. Yeah. so yep. i mean we yep. we and I don't understand, like, and that's that's one of the the great benefits about the military. And G, I'm sure you can you'd agree with this man. It's like you know, growing up in PG County, man, I grew up. I think from eighty of born day to joining the service of of, of, of two thousand, I probably had three white friends, maybe two or three Asian friends, because I went to Oxford Hill. You know, we had a huge uh, Filipino population. Mm-hmm. Um, but dude, coming in the military, you got people from everywhere. You know, it's a microcosm of America. So, you know, you got the same percentages that's in America, just in the military. So, I mean, I got white friends uh, from Thailand, Asian, Pacific Islander, everything. And they all my brothers, you know, it's either because my, you know, friendships are based on work ethic. Um, but, and then when you get into these deep conversations with them, you know, when you really start talking about your background and all these different things, it's crazy how they have no understanding of some of the things that was just normal to us you know because for Correct. us that's all that's our world you know like i was explaining to one on one day i'm like bro you know i live in a in a in a it wasn't even a project it was just an apartment building on south capitol street going towards um friendship i don't even know if they call it friendship no more mm-hmm. we, had a sign, we had a sign on the building that said um no drugs will be sold in this area yeah why do I need a sign on my building? And I remember as a little kid looking at that sign, like, well, if you can't sell them here, then where can you sell them at? You know what I'm saying? Like, where, where is the neighborhood where you can sell them? You know, that sign, that sign is still there to this day on that same building. It's, and, it's, mm-hmm. and it's way up on the building. And, you know, I've always looked at that and it's like, damn, if that's not saying something about our community, you know, because that's a, that's a District of Columbia printed metal sign. They put yeah, code in the sign out. Yeah, and it don't say <laughs> it don't say school drug free zone. Like that's a standard, like came out in the you know the, the Reagan era, right? Drug, this yeah. was a this was a you cannot sell drugs in here sign. Like why do I have to print a sign that says that? You know, and my friends are looking at me, it's like, no, nah, that can't be real. I'm like, no, it's real. Like, it is normal. real. Yeah, that's well, yeah, man, you gotta remember your 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 environment shapes your opinions and and, and your reality. And Yep. your reality so like the things that our communities the black communities deal with these other communities don't deal with them. you know what's interesting is if if you have a conversation with african immigrants um you know about the difference between africans who come to america versus um i don't like the term african americans that's a conversation for another yeah. time but black americans who are here you know you have a conversation with them and like you really break it down and even you know, a lot of them, when they're here long enough, they'll even see it. They're like, oh, you, I, yeah, I see it now. Like, I see it. It's a huge difference. Um, mm-hmm. I've had the pleasure of, of um, having a lot of those really good conversations with uh, a lot of cats that uh, I've either met over the course of my career, whether, you know, we're deployed or at a conference or something mm-hmm. like that. And a lot of them are like, oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's truly different. Like, yeah, it, sure it is. really is different. Like, yeah, it is. I'm telling you, man. I live. I told you, I live. I lived in Germany for five years. I was there for um for three, two years single before I met my wife. Um, two years was great. Three years after was great. And then you know the family we went to Italy. And I'm telling you, it's a different way of life. I well, was more nervous coming home 
after those after that time with my family because my kids yeah. was young the first time and then the second time my kids was older and they I mean it's like they it's it's completely different. The thing about that is is that um we gotta understand that America is a young country mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. America was built on we've been taught was built by slavery you know what I mean and, and mm-hmm. that's what we've mm-hmm. been taught these other countries when you come to Europe and everything they're just further removed from the same reality. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 do, I, well, I do want to say that. I, I really feel like it's our generation also because my kids, we talked about PG County a lot. My kids grew up in PG County. They live in PG County. They go to school in PG County. My kids still have no clue. No clue. My son, is, my, son my oldest son, he's now 22. When he was 16, I remember this day so vivid because that was the day I had to sit him down and have the police conversation with him. So I, I don't remember what we was doing, but we're driving. I know that you guys are familiar, maybe that you, uh, Sergeant. Actually, no, because you worked on Andrew's airport. He's right down the street from Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he worked on Andrew's airport. He's hey, So we driving down Morningside, down Suitman, the Suitman Road on Morningside, right? Now, anybody who probably, lives there was, knows. And you was probably doing 80. No. I know how you drive. No, no, no. I'm, no, this is this Thank daytime, you. So, Thank you, by you know, the way, Jimmy. This is Free daytime, Jay, I'm not the same person. I'm not the same person. So let's let's slow it down. I got my son in the car. I get on it, and I know how more. I was like, and I tell him, as soon as we turn on the road, I look at him. He don't got a seatbelt on. I said, hey, put on your seatbelt. And I said because we going we going through here Morningside Morningside police. They gonna be they gonna be at the liquor store in the Seven yeah. Eleven. That's exactly yeah, they where they go. Absolutely. They gonna be the American Legion. Yeah, the VFW. Yeah, that's the VFW parking lot. So we get down, we driving right, and I say I say that to him. He puts on his seatbelt. I'm cool. And as soon as we get up there, I said they'll be right up here. As soon as we hit past those bushes, wow, he's sitting right there, right. And my son sits up in his seat and stares at the police car as we drive completely the entire time. Oh. And I looked at him, I looked at him, and I said, <laughs> I said, I said to him, I said, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I'm not afraid of him. And I looked at him, right? So I'm still driving. So I start patting on him and shit, right? He goes, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, I'm looking for your gun. Because he got one. So I want to know why you not why you not worried about him. He got a gun. If yeah, he but pulls they... us over, hold on, just let me finish. He has none. If he pulls us over, you are the defenseless person. You do understand that, right? And he can make up the reason why he shot you because if you did, you can't tell the story. I said, man, I got one rule for you. One rule from this point on: always come home. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit what's going on. I don't give a shit what's happening. You got one rule, and that's to always come home. And yep. then I had to sit down and have the conversation with him. I showed him videos and this, that, and other, and, I, and we had the conversation. I said, look, I'm not saying all police are like this. I'm not stereotyping anyone. But the, real, the reality is you want to come home. You don't know what that person is going through that day. You don't know what happened here. And 10 minutes before he interacted with you. So therefore, you don't have don't do nothing to so the, the only time something bad happens in an interaction with police is when, when somebody is out of control. And that person out of control does not have to be you. You know what I'm saying? You just have to go home. 
That's the only thing you got to do. Because you don't know if that person is in control that day or what's going on with them. Everybody has issues, whatever case may be. And, and that's this is another conversation for another day also. But, you know, I told her, I was like, look, man. I said, and I showed him video. I said, you see that? The, the police officer is out of control. The police officer asked the guy, I showed him the video of the police officer asking the guy for his ID. And the guy reaches back in the car for his ID. And the police officer is shot. Right. And he's like, he's like, it's my wallet. And this was the white guy that was getting shot. And I was like, you see that? You see how easy that is? Just like that. He asked him for his ID. He reaches in for his ID and shoots. I was like, somebody has to be in control. You got to understand what's going on here. You can't sit there and just think you can do whatever you want. You can't. You're, you're, the only thing you want to do is get home. That's what you want to. I want you to make sure. So that was so, my conversation. So I, I was so, just saying that because my kids don't. They lived in PG County and all this, and they, and they still don't understand the things that I was privy to at a very young age because I it had those interactions. So yeah, but is uh, that is that part of you teaching them from your post traumatic stress syndrome? Because if your interaction with the police at some point you have passed that stress down. That's my stress. I want him to come no, home. No, 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 stress no, no. Is the truth. You're not, you're not thinking, you, you got to think through it. Is like, it post or is it present? Is it, it present. Like, you at some point, Rodney, you had, you had a trauma incident with the police officer or a police officer. And a lot of a lot of us as black folks, we see trauma on the news every day. Correct. Um, vicarious yeah. trauma is a thing because we have we, we have these things called mirror neurons that like as human beings, we, we were designed to be social creatures. So they help us associate with other people. So if we see people who look like us get killed every day by the police, of course, we're going to experience that. And then the re repetition of what we see it, you know, we're re-traumatized every day. We cut the news on. That's why, you know, a lot of a lot of therapists tell people to stop watching the news. Yes. Yeah. Here's, the, here's the other thing. I, I, I don't feel that way because I, I definitely expressed to him that it's not all police officers. Me and him, I've had a great, I, me and him personally have had great interactions with the sergeant a detective that had to deal with the case that happened with my son. And that dude was phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's a different, you know, I definitely didn't tell him all cops and nothing like that. My mm -hmm. goal is you got to come home. That's it. You know, be respectful. Mm -hmm. Do whatever you got to do to come home. Don't don't let your don't let whatever you going through that day change, and then that person makes you do something and you out of control, and then you don't go home. And not going home don't mean you shot. Means you you're arrested. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're not coming home. It doesn't. It yeah. just, so it doesn't mean he's dead, but. My goal is anytime you go out these streets, you got one, and, and it has not to be police. Let's say somebody's robbing you. Let's say I mean, it, it, this is happening. You have one, only thing I want you to think the whole time is I need to go home. So if this person wants my wallet, take it. <laughs> go but that's, but that's, a, go that's the thing though. At the, at the end of the day, all of us, you know, whether we, I think one of the bigger things that, that we, that I try to talk about in my in my household, because we always talk about, you know, community, black community, but at the end, Ultimately, how, how many times is a community actually interacting, you know, like on yep. a community level conversation? We don't really do that. Like we don't have those conglomerates. We don't have those um, 
you know, inner working agencies. And I'm sure there's some that exist. And like, this is one, you know, now that we got Zoom and all these, since COVID, everything's kind of been picking up, but we got to start at home, right? Each one, teach one, it starts at the crib, right? It starts mm-hmm. at the house. Um, so, but at the end of the day, we're a combination of our experiences. Now, yep. as parents, um, we want to protect our kids from the experiences that harmed us, that gave us yep. you know, these potential anxiety issues or PTSD or anything else that's in DSM-5. You know, we want to make sure that we're protecting them from the things that hurt us because that's how, you know, living creatures learn is you learn by fear. <laughs> you know, you touch fire, it burns. You don't, t- you might touch it again to see if that was real, but you don't touch it. You know, you don't want it. Yeah, we learn based on fear and based on joy. You know, hey, that felt great. I want to do it again. That felt horrible. I want to do it again. So, I mean, I don't want to do it again. So, so we try to teach our children based on that. Now, our children who don't know, um, or, or whatever that interaction is, that that child that doesn't know, that's why we have those challenges. And they, oh, well, I don't agree with you. Or I don't understand. Well, I'm gonna do it anyway because they haven't been burned yet, right? So. The, the, those of us that have been, I'll just say, lucky enough or blessed enough, whatever way you choose, is our children haven't had some of those experiences. But at the same time, I'm sending my daughter off to Virginia Tech. So now I got to, like, all right, now I got to start really talking to her about things that she hasn't experienced yet. Yeah. You know, because I can't send her up there green. You know, so we have, yeah. you know, we have having those one-on-one <laughs> conversations. Um, so, yeah, a lot of that stuff, whether it's, it's being passed down through DNA from the mom directly to the child or, you know, somehow from the father. Um, it, it's critical that we acknowledge where we are, right? We have to know, we have to know where we are. We have to know what our fears are. Um, from my personal aspect, as discussed earlier, is it's all about resiliency. So if we use that as a foundation, even if, whether that's your spiritual resiliency, emotional resiliency, um, physical resiliency, whatever it is, if you start with that, you could build anything on top of that because life is going to slap you. It's just all about how you react to it. Yeah, it you is. know what I'm saying? You're mm-hmm. going to get pulled over. It's about how you react to it. You're going to get disrespected. You know what I'm saying? Something traumatic is going to happen to you. How are you going to handle it? And I can tell you for years, I handled it with different types of alcohol that I'm officially allergic to now. Like if I smell Hennessy, I'll probably throw up. Tangeray, if my wife see me walking here with Tangeray, she'll probably request, like, file divorce petition. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't drink Tangeray no more. Like, I have gotten to the point where, like, she is cool with Jameson because I have proved that I know how to act, when, you know, with, with a couple of, couple of glasses of, of whiskey, you know. But, like, there's just certain things I can't do because, um, you know, they just I don't know how to, you know, partake in those things and still conduct myself as a reasonable individual because a lot of those old dark memories start coming up, you know, especially in dark world. If you could speak to this one, like for me, what I've noticed is, uh, you know, you know how the military is, you know, just in general, soldiers get together, they start drinking, we start talking. Oh yeah, this Mm -hmm. and that, old times, isn't that? Yeah, we start a choir practice. Choir practice, right? Choir Especially practice. if you yep. ever met anybody from from Bragg. You're like, man, back in Bragg, man, we jump out of airplanes, we do this, you know, so you ever meet a paratrooper, you yeah. already know how that go. But mm-hmm. what I've learned over these last couple of years is that it's extremely dangerous to drink by yourself. Yes. And not, mm-hmm. o- not only just by yourself, but like for me, um, I spend a lot of time away from here. I got to go to Detroit for like 30 days or Arizona for 20 days or, or Pennsylvania for like up in York. 
not Philly, but like York. Next time you go to York, let me know. I got a shop up there, a food shop, by the way. Just all that shit. We'll do. (laughs) We'll do. But I'll find find myself in those places, man. And I got a fifth. I got a pint. I'm just sipping it. Before you know it, I'm thinking about this one time in 2003. I'm thinking about I'm black on this UH-60 in Afghanistan in 2012. I'm calling people on my phone I ain't talked to in 15 years. And it's... It got bad for a minute, so I had to like really like kind of relook what I was doing, and this was like within the last two or three years, man. That shit kind of got bad for me. I had to get back in there on the third floor and to talk to Doc. Yeah, mm. so and, and let me add a little bit to that. It's is dangerous to drink alone when you don't know why you're drinking. And one of the yeah. things that you know in my my work with patients, I always say, know yourself. Know why you're doing the things that you're doing. Because if you don't handle your emotions, they handle you. They mm. are controlling you. You're being driven by you're being driven by uh, your lizard brain. You're being driven by your hippocampus, your amygdala. What you want, you want that prefrontal cortex. You want that thought center, that executive functioning, to be able to control your actions and know why it is that you're doing what you're doing. Because if not, your amygdala would do it. That's just the beauty of our brains. Like. And we evolve that way as human beings for survival. There are certain things that our bodies will automatically do to survive. Um, and that's part of where trauma comes from and why it affects human beings the way that it does. Um, hmm. So the the drinking thing, if you're not sure why you're drinking or what alcohol or any kind of any kind of coping skill really is uh, serving you, then absolutely is dangerous because what's going to happen, again, you're being driven by that amygdala not that prefrontal cortex that you're being driven by, you know, that, uh, that, that emotion center, that, um, that memory center that had where that trauma stored. So mm-hmm. yeah, that absolutely is dangerous. Wow. That absolutely yeah. is dangerous. That's one of the, like in, in treatment, right. Uh, where there's addictions treatment or any, any PTSD treatment. One of the main things that you work on is being able to identify your triggers. That's triggers being like, overused these days but that's basically what you're doing you're identifying your triggers what's triggering you to drink what's triggering these thoughts what's triggering these emotions and all of that is an exercise to get you to be able to understand why it is i'm doing what i'm doing once Mm. you got that down once you know that you have so much power Mm, absolutely now i definitely yeah i've realized that in my recent time now that once i started realizing why i was doing the things i was doing man it Mm -hmm. was it was definitely powerful. Now I got a question. So a person is going through PTSD. What would be like, let's say that somebody is realizing they're going through all these things and they said, oh, they go, I might have PTSD. What, 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 what is your suggestion for that person to do? So obviously seek, uh, seek professional assistance. Um, go talk to a counselor, get, uh, get, first thing you want to do is get assessed by a counselor. Um, some people just, just like you, you have a doctor who will give somebody a diagnosis without really fully evaluating them, and that may not be the best diagnosis. Um, same thing happens in the mental health field. So you want to make sure that you get assessed for PTSD. And if you're given that diagnosis, whoever, whatever practitioner sees you, they should be able to tell you, hey, you met this, the hypervigilance criteria by you reporting XYZ. Um um, loss of relationships. You fit this criteria because you said that you know you didn't get help and your your, your wife divorced you or your your husband left you. Um, so that you want to make sure that you got that diagnosis um, and it's an actual legit diagnosis, not just not just something that's billable by insurance. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then once you do that, 
uh, you want to get into some form of an, a, a, a treatment. Most of the time for PTSD, they're going to get in some kind of evidence-based um, cognitive treatment. So cognitive processing therapy is like one of the main things. Uh, another one is uh, prolonged exposure. Um, and sirens. Gonna... Hey, so, I got them. Yeah, those so, are the things I recommend. <laughs> no, I got them. So, and all those points are valid. Um, I would add to that because those are the things that 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 start once you get in the door, right? Um, the hardest part is getting in the door, right? Because the majority, and I'm gonna say us, I'm talking about like service members. Um, specifically army dudes, because that's who I've been around for 23 years, you know, the ground pounders, the paratroopers, the infantrymen, the special ops guys, all that stuff is that we're not going in to go see nobody. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to go talk to nobody. I don't want nobody to know I'm going to go talk to nobody. I'm going to sit here with my buddy and we're going to drink away the pain. That's ultimately what happens. So the, the first step is acknowledging the fact that it's okay that you feel like something is not okay. And it's okay to go ahead and reach out to somebody who's not certified to talk to you other than somebody who's not certified because we constantly going to our boys and our homies. And that's cool. That's fine. Cause you got to talk to somebody, but eventually get to that person who knows what they are talking about. Um, because that's the only way you're going to get true help. Um, yeah. Speaking, speaking from personal experience, I self-medicated for what I'm on 23 years now. So I self-medicated for 20 years. You know, I just actually reached out and started getting some help about three years ago. Um, but for every year before that, 15, 20 times a year, 30 times a year, 40 times a year, I'm getting shit, shit face drunk. I'm, I'm blacking out. I'm partying too much. I'm doing whatever. And then it slowly got, you know, digressed as my children got older and as my responsibilities got more. But then I would always still find that time to kind of, it was almost like a relapse. You know what I'm saying? I would be good for 18 months. And then, oh, my wife and the kids went out of town. I'm here by myself. All right, cool. I'm going to start having a good time. And it's a good time at the beginning. But before I know it, I'm crying and I'm thinking about this dude and people yep. in this incident and all of this stuff. And it's five o'clock in the morning. The sun is coming up. I'm trying to make breakfast. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, it gets to be too much, you know? So, um, the first thing to do is to figure out that it's okay that you're not okay because you ain't the yep. only one and then yep. go have that conversation with the with the right person. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It is okay to not be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, I, I, I feel like that was something I had to realize too, brother. So, all right. Well, hey, fellas, that was a great conversation. Um, you know, thank you for join, joining us this week and definitely having it. Um, I also, you know, want to reach out to my my personal friend. I'm hoping that uh, he hears this conversation and he works on the things that he needs to do. And it is okay to not be okay. I definitely want to send that out to him and let him know that uh, yeah, I'm definitely okay with it. I'm here for him whenever, whenever and however I can be. But let's go into some uh, other topics, fellas, uh, to end the show. So, you know, I had I got my had my boy on here. I was excited to get him on here, uh, Chief Jimmy. And um, you know, it, it's a great thing that we we were friends as kids. We separated for a while, but then when we met back up with each other, it was like we never left each other. And, and I'm happy to have friends and people in my life like that. Um, but you know, I want to get his opinion because I know he's a very opinionated guy. Um, when it comes to music and and and, um, and movies and things like that, so 
you know, two things. I want I want to kind of, you know, I want to get your top three, but I also want to know, like, from what you've been, what movie was, like, the most accurate to what you've been through, you know, that wasn't glorified by Hollywood or some BS like that? And just get your opinion on those things. But uh, let's start with it. We're going to go with our top three war movies. And, uh, Jimmy, if you want to go first, if not, I'll be sorry. But actually, hold on time out. I'm sorry. Before we get into that. Uh, Vance, do you really think we should let Sergeant Garrett even give his opinion on anything? Because last time on this show, <laughs> he decided we to tell back. us his three albums, his uh, three albums that he would bring on the island, and yeah, one of them, and one of them was uh, 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 what was the name? Of? They were Grammy Award winning something. Blah blah. He gave a good pitch. Yeah, like, leave I it all like, behind. Yeah. yeah. Leave it yeah. all behind. And yeah. I was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to check that out and get back to you. And I can honestly say that that album was the most depressing album I've ever heard about a guy <laughs> breaking up with his girlfriend for every song. So when you heard that, you must the first thing you talk about was like, "Dad, go she broke, she broke my bad heart, bro." Like, well, <laughs> yeah, this like, no, I didn't with that but she need, he need, hey, he therapy, he need to really, hey, but look though, look though. You got to look at it like this, man. He's a mental health specialist, man. I was so, just going to say, look, that's probably why I spoke to him. He was in his that's MO, man. I spoke to him. Nah. He's like, yo, my man is feeling yeah. it. Nah. <laughs> hey, look, that dude was hitting every benchmark in that DSM-5. That's why he, <laughs> <laughs> he, he had all the symptoms, had all the recuperating <laughs> methods, all of that. Man, that's oh, funny. Man. And I was like, why is he, why, why do I got to give about the same chick for fucking three songs? I'm like, nah, I'm like, oh, she's gone, she's gone. That's <laughs> so, you know, I was yeah, like, no. all right, I was, so we're going to get back to, you know, I had to mention okay. that to you, you know. Yeah, that's like, funny, that's funny. I guess we'll let you, we'll, we'll give you another chance, but we're going to be, you know, we're going to make you go first because I want to be super critical about <laughs> super your top because you name something oh. we ain't seen before, heard, you know, you'd be like, oh, Lego, Lego Star Wars was my was my number. Nah, nah, dog. <laughs> Oh man, top so, so top, uh, top three military movies. So first, l- let me say, I actually am one of the people that I don't enjoy military movies that much. Um, I don't. I I honestly think it just comes from doing mental health and hearing some of the stories. Uh, mm-hmm. But I have seen them, and honestly, my number one is Saving Private Ryan. That's like, really? Yeah, because yeah, right. I, I mean, I I'm, I'm a I'm a Tom Hanks fan. He you know he he's that dude. He's one of my favorite actors. Um, I, I thought that was a good movie. Um, but I like to laugh. And so this movie isn't per se uh, just solely about the military. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. I love it. And that's Major Pain. Oh, definitely. Yeah, love me some Major Pain. So far, you're not losing so far. We, 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 <laughs> I'm not losing. All right, hey, but look, you know what, Slow it down, man. Slow it down, because you know what happens. They always come strong on the first two. So don't let him, 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 don't let
Look, he better say the right one on the last one because if he'll say the, ne- the next one, I, I I don't know if he a mental health specialist or not. Well, well, I, I mean, look. So you know, I was gonna say the other one is it's a movie I've seen so many times uh, because I show it in treatment, and um, we did I did a training with some uh, mental health residents who were learning how to be mental health providers, learning how to identify PTSD. He's and this movie is really so great. He's trying to build it so and, we don't argue. And this, now he, it if he called, say the right one, you're not gonna be able to argue. Look. And it's called Restrepo. It's a documentary uh, no, about no, there you go. army. Uh, what I ain't never heard of. There you go. <laughs> it's a documentary about an no, army unit in no, Afghanistan. No, the answer is no. Check it out. Check it out. No, unless Jimmy says he's seen it. Unless Jimmy oh, says he's seen it. I haven't seen it, but let him finish. He hasn't seen Restrepo? No. Oh no, man, no. y'all need to y'all That's need to watch. That's what he did to us last time. Exactly what he did to us last time. This is exactly what he did that was, to us that last wasn't, time. That wasn't it, but I, I I thought you was gonna I'm say gonna go, I'm gonna go check it out on Rotten Tomatoes before I yeah check it out check it out now hold on watch it regardless I'm gonna movie I'm gonna watch it regardless okay I got you it's a it's a documentary it's not a documentary but it's it's good it's good look you're not gonna change only once. You already know my lens now. You already know the lens at which I've used. But but documentaries normally go hit from a different angle. So I mean, as long as they stick to the script, then you know it's it's about realism. Once you see a documentary, it looks like it's you know if they can show me some realistic stuff and they talking legit, then I can I can I can definitely um, rate it. Yeah, I'll check it out. Hey, look, I tell you, we'll be back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Either he's gonna be back with two strikes, or yeah. he's gonna be real, man. Y'all let me know. Y'all let me know what y'all think. Hey, mine goes a completely different level. So, so <laughs> I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you my three, but one of my three, I, I'm just gonna give it to you. So you said the most realistic. So I'm gonna go way left because this is not in my. No, no, no. There's two different things. So I want your top three, and then I want the most realistic. That's right, just so for me personally. Yeah. So, so my top three in no particular order is um. So I, I love Fury, uh, with okay. Brad Pitt in it when they was yeah. on the tank. Specifically, okay. not because it's an army or what they was doing, but specifically because um I had never seen the movie and um I was deployed. I deployed two times with this unit and then we went to the field. We was going back and forth to the field in Germany and the sergeant major and I was already a chief at this time. You know. Um, the chief of the maintenance team or whatever, and I'm out there in the mud, recovering vehicles, pulling stuff out, all this different stuff going on. And Sergeant Major used to always walk up. He's like, hey, man, you acting like Fury. You like Fury. And I always walked around, had a cigar in my mouth. You know, I ain't one that, never in the same uniform as everybody else. But I'm a chief. I just don't care, right? I'm going to do what I got to do. Um, and I never knew what he was talking about. And I finally caught the movie, and I was like, oh, he, think, he thinks I'm this guy. Okay. So I watched the movie and I was like, okay, cool. I like I like everything about their brotherhood. I like how they was fighting each other and then they love mm-hmm. each other. So that yeah. that was a cool movie. Um, I, again, I don't watch a lot of military movies. I don't watch a lot of any movies. Um, at this point, I just watch sports, the news, and 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 A and E. So my other is uh, Glory, all time classic, right? Um, oh, that's obvious reason. I'm on that. I don't, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't okay. even need to state the reason why. Like I I watched that movie so young um, that. You know, it speaks for itself, right? Um, we, yeah. we, I can go all day about all my different stepfathers that's in that movie. You know what I'm saying? Everybody oh, knows yeah. the song. They was singing that song. Man, John yeah. had me crying, man. Every time I hear them sing that, I got to change the channel because I get real emotional when they were singing right before they went into mm-hmm. that last fight. Um, mm-hmm. 
and, and it means even more to me now after all the different deployments and different combat endeavors I've been in. Um, now the last one is just a favorite movie, man. Just Top Gun, man, and the new one was great. Also, the uh, new Obviously, one was on there. The new classic. one was really good. Yeah. Yeah, the, the first one was a classic. That was one of the first movies, and it's got an emotional spot for me because it was one of the movies, I, one of the first movies I went to go see with my dad at the Marlowe Heights movie theater back when it, before they had rats. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Like, they clean the rats was, out now. They clean the rats out. They clean the rats okay. out now, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, never, <laughs> I never forget going to that movie theater because when I, when I would go to that movie theater, I knew I was going with him, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was our weekend or whatever, so... We went there to see that. We went there to see Boys in the Hood when it came out, all that. So, you know, that's that's one of those moments, like Top Gun. And then the new one was really actually kind of good. I liked it a lot. They stuck to the script, t- stuck to the story, and didn't go too far left. Mm-hmm. Um, I, liked, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to like it, too. Yeah, I me too. I didn't watch it as soon as it came out because I was scared it was mm-hmm. going to be whack, but it was pretty dope. Um, realism, I don't know. I don't know nothing about the Air Force other than when I used to work on, on Andrews before I went in the military. Um, and then jumping out of the airplane. Uh, the most realistic movie. This is way left, and I really don't like this movie per se. But Jarhead, Jarhead was the most I'll, realistic. I was going to say, I was going to say realistic is probably yeah. Jarhead. I was I say the same that. thing. That's the, that's the most realistic. Now, see, that was during um, Operation Desert Storm. Desert Storm, right? Mm-hmm. Desert Chill. So I wasn't there during that time. But what I could tell you is that the waiting around, the nothing to do, the we're here to do this super important mission, we're going to go and kick the bad guy in the face and then you just sit there and look out of a daggone fighting position for hours and hours and hours. And granted, those guys are snipers. I've never been a sniper, but I have sat in the foxhole in the middle of a berm for 12 hours at a time. Yep, those uh, LPOPs. Yep. Yeah, man, from midnight to noon. And you just sitting there dying like, come on, somebody please shoot at me. You know what I'm saying? Like I probably fall asleep. Uh, wow. So so, and then with the wife, you know, cheating on them and the videos and the way they yeah. talking to each other, mm-hmm. even though they loved each other, the the role of Jamie Foxx, I've had so many NCOs that was just like that for me, yep. who would kick me in the butt, but also cared about me enough to to always be there um, and put me in positions of, uh, to succeed, while also mm-hmm. put me in positions to see if I would fail. So that is the most realistic military movie I, I've watched. Wow. From that okay. aspect, not from wow. any type of combat aspect whatsoever. Yeah. All right. And the thing I like about Jimmy Fox's role too is like Jimmy Fox, his role was like he was one of those people like he was born to do that. Like he was in the mm-hmm. military. That's what he was doing. Like he even has a line like he thanks God for the core every day. And again, me being mental health, right? That's the lens through I see everything now. Um, mm-hmm. I look at like he would struggle. Because and this is what I've seen from people when they get out the military when they don't have it or they can't yeah. do it they struggle yeah. without it. So, uh, and that's the thing that's the like that's the type of NCO I was for like ten years of my career. Yeah, that's who I, I was. That type of guy. I mean, I wasn't in charge of a bunch of infantry guys, but I got thirty dudes and we running a maintenance shop and we all over different parts of Afghanistan, mm-hmm. Iraq. I got guys that don't want to work. I got guys that don't know what they're doing. I, I got to run them five, six, seven miles every morning or every other morning, whatever it is. That was the type of NCO I was. You know what I'm saying? They right. used to call me an Android because it was like always, all day, always, all day. <laughs> and then um, luckily, I got into some positions. I went warrant officer and I was able to alter um, my techniques a little bit and start taking care of myself a little bit more. Still, still love my guys, but I just don't have a team like I used to. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. All right, Vance, you want to follow that up? Um, I mean, uh, he mentioned one. Glory, of course, is one of the all-time favorites. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It, teaches, it teaches history. You know what I'm saying? Whether or not 
they're all, I mean, the story is true, whether or not what took place is all true, you don't know, but you know what I'm saying? It definitely right. got the message across. Um, and then from there, and maybe I'm a little sick with it, but Black Hawk Down was a really good movie to me. It because really was. it was one of those movies like, America, you don't belong here. And we about to show you why you don't belong here. And yeah. it showed the brotherhood and them having to stick together to get out of a situation that they were put in, right? You know what I mean? They had to go save their brothers. They had to sacrifice themselves to, to get people out. You know what I mean? So Black Hawk mm-hmm. Down was probably, what's the name? But in the hey, world of PTSD, huh? I'm sorry, if I, could, if I could say also, it also reminded a lot of people that we can get our ass kicked too. We got this technique of propaganda that just, I mean, it make a whole lot of people that never wore the uniform think that we can go whip anybody. Bullets ain't got no names, man. They, 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 they will light you up off the frame. Yeah, man. Kind of, I was glad that it showed that because that's, that's one of the yeah. things you actually get out of those type movies. It's like, Hey, we we think we big and bad until we get put in situations yeah. where we ain't big and bad, right? And then with rangers and special operations, that's the best we got on the army side. You know, they was getting mm-hmm. tagged, yeah. And that that that's that's how it happened. But go ahead, brother. My bad. Oh yeah, nah, nah. You all good. But the this last, is, this the is last an open one, conversation. You can interrupt anytime you want. Oh please. no, no. Yeah, we're completely yeah, yeah. on a typical on a typical basis. Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't especially ever, especially don't if people ever, put in documentaries that. After yeah, you gotta watch it. You gotta watch it. It's good. Look, you no gotta give chance. it a chance now. I watch it if Jimmy tells me it's good. That's I will say I, I'll watch it for you. Don't I don't even trust you. I don't trust you either. Yeah. Yeah, I, you're right. Because you, you'll watch it and tell me it's great just to punish me. Don't worry. Just to get you to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just I don't trust you, you at all. Oh, <laughs> yeah. My last one, um, though, is, is right along the line of PTSD and it's American Sniper. Right? All right. All right. Because you took one of mine, I'll give you that too. Because of what he was dealing with, you know what I mean? Wanting to go back, wanting to come home, and all of that drama that he had to deal with, and Mm -hmm. and hitting his mark, catching his mark, saving his guys, but wanting to be with his family. Like it it, it literally was a perpetual circle that he was Mm -hmm. going in Mm -hmm. until until he ended up, uh, unfortunately, taking his life. But you know what I mean? It's just, like that in and of itself really, you know what I'm saying, show what some of our military guys and regular people go through when they have those yeah. those type dramas. Yeah, and I'm gonna tell you, you know, it's funny the way you the way you connected those dots, man, because when you in the we call it the rear, when you in the rear and your guys are deployed, all you want to do is get there with them. Yep. And then mm-hmm. once you get there and you go in, you, you in the pits, all you can, all you can do is wait, you can't wait to get home. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why it was it was really difficult for me to like talk talk to my wife because I had deployed three times before we got married. So by the time we was married and I'm, I deployed right after we got married and my daughter was three months old, um, I was I would make videos and send them home. You know, it was 2005, so you know I'm recording and then trying to email mm-hmm. it. But then later when I deployed in 13, 14, 15, 16, 
I didn't want to talk on the phone that much. Like I, I she didn't really understand it. You know, I was like, look, man, I don't really want to talk because I would get into this mode where I can't be what you want me to be because I need to be who I'm who I'm supposed to be out here. And if mm-hmm. I start thinking about y'all, you know, then I'm a I'm gonna drop something. I'm gonna drop the yeah. ball back here. So you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm gonna miss something now. Yeah, and she really didn't, and she didn't, it was unfair to her, you know, because the kids was young, you know, all of that stuff. So, but that was a that was a trying time. And you know, we've talked about it recently. I'm talking like during COVID when we was at home every day for six months. But this deployment happened in 13, 14, 15. Wow. We didn't talk about it till 2020. You right. know what I'm yeah. saying? Like really got it out of our system. No one to a lot of that. I didn't know. Yeah. And my re- my retirement ceremony, my uh my my commander was my uh officiating officer. And she wanted to know about my deployment experiences. And like I did security forces for um, six and a half years. So the first time in Iraq, we did convoys. The second time uh, we secured the airfield and it was constantly being bombed. So and then Afghanistan, I was mental health. So I stayed pretty much in the rear. But then we traveled to uh, a couple of different fobs uh, to provide services for the remote people. So, you know, seen some stuff, but I never talked about it. And so mm-hmm. when she pulled it out and I'm, I'm okay with, it. I've made peace with what happened. So I have no issues talking about it. Um, so when everyone heard about those, some of those things, everyone was like, wait, what you, you did what? Like the Iraqi army, what? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I, 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 I couldn't at the time, I definitely not going to talk about that with y'all. Um, but later on, I, I, I don't know if you find this true, but I couldn't, it was really hard for me to talk about my deployment experience experiences with anyone other than people who have already deployed yeah exactly it's difficult you talk around it it's like you eat around the edges of of the pizza you know because you don't want to seem as though you're glorifying it when you're talking to a civilian you know Mm -hmm. um you don't want to make it more than what it than what it was um you don't but you also don't want to shut down the conversation right you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. um but when you're talking to somebody who's been like you in the air force you security forces mental health I was a maintenance dude, turn wrenches, drove recovery vehicles, you know, through mud and convoy, convoy. We could talk for hours, depending mm-hmm. on how much alcohol is there. You know what I'm saying? Depending <laughs> on what you got to do and what I got to do. We can talk for hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can just go in because yeah. we got that relatable experience. Mm-hmm. You know, relatable experience. So uh, it's just like you put two dope boys in the room, man. They talk all yeah. day long. You put a dope boy in civilian, dude. They, they ain't got much to talk about. You know, yep. and they going to work that, that well. But, but it does bring up like it's it's difficult and it's unfortunate because like even with, like Rod said the Beach Boys I be talking to my guys man first time I seen most of them in twenty years was when our boy got married last year or year for last and you know I I was so happy to see them but it was a lot of stuff I just couldn't get out of my system like it was like it was like right here in the top of my chest you know and then as the night went on and I started drinking and it was like okay cool yeah. I can talk a little bit more now. You know, and then mm-hmm. it, it was what it was. Yeah, right? he was the only one on punishment. But, you know, everybody, all our wives is used to it. Like, he, was the, <laughs> no, he was the only I, one on punishment when he got when he had to sit in the car until the weddings got ready to start. We had to sit in the car and be on time. No, nah, that, nah, bro, that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't you, punishment. Wasn't that was it. that was called apologizing. That's what that was called. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big difference. That was a great night, though. It was a good time. Yeah, it was good. You know, and then, I know, I know. Once your wife saw us together, I mean, it was a great time. We hadn't been together. All of us together had to be at least twenty years plus before we all 20, were in the same plus, area, area yeah. together. And it was a great, great time for that. Um, so my movie. So y'all named two of my movies. So I had some backups just in case. I'm gonna go ahead and give uh, uh Sergeant Garrett. Yeah, Saving Private Ryan was one of my 
and American Sniper was one of mine. So, um, but I also had you know some backups. So I'm gonna go ahead and put in some of my backups, which uh, you know everybody. So we go back to the tune was one of mine, and I think that's just a classic movie. Charlie uh, Sheen, right? Uh, yes, that was. Um, but hold on, that was with uh, Private Parts and um, what you call it, right? Oh, am I saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, let's yeah, go. I had, had, was... had Platoon on VHS. Yeah, next, <laughs> yeah. was, next was more new, which was um, Hurt Locker. I, I did enjoy that movie. movie. Yeah, it was. I did really enjoy that movie. Had, you know, that was with Jeremy Renner and uh, Anthony Mackie, who's also doing that Twisted Metal remake that I'm excited about when that comes out. Yeah. Um, I like Hurt Locker. But I, you know. Nah. I like her. Yeah, but her Locker definitely went into that whole PTSD thing about, yeah. you know, some people that just can't can't let it go, you know what I'm saying? When he went yeah. back, you know, he went back, he couldn't he couldn't wait to get back, you know. To, yeah, and, and you know, like, there's a there's, there's, there's one that nobody mentioned, by the way. I just uh, that's what I know. Well, I'm not I'll let Roddy finish. Know, which, which, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. What you about to say, Sergeant Garrett? Oh, I, I was just about to say, uh, along with PTSD, you got to talk about then the Hurt Locker illustrates this point perfectly. Control. He felt like he had more control when mm -hmm. he was over his, over doing his job. So when he's mm -hmm. coming back, remember the scene where he's in the um, he's in, in the, the grocery, grocery store. store. He yeah. couldn't pick out the cereal. That's was like voice <laughs> overload. So like, look, let me go back to where I can go defuse these bombs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I, and the only choice is to live. That's right. You know, but uh, but last, okay. So my last movie is actually my favorite. But it, in my, I guess it's technically not a war movie, but it is a war movie. So I don't know how y'all, what y'all gonna say about that. But it's Dead Presidents. De dead nah, Presidents. Dead. No hey, there was there was no there, no no. There was, there no, was forty percent no. of that yeah. movie that was no 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 nah, nah, man. Like, that was it was no, like fifteen percent man. No, that nah, was like forty percent man. Just because somebody like, joined the military I don't, I don't know. That's no, that's you already got to think about it. Yo, dead presidents. Dead presidents. No, you're not getting no presidents. No, you're not getting no presidents. He had PTSD. He had PTSD. You talked about. You didn't say a PTSD movie. You said military movie. You said military movie. That's not a war movie. It was military base. So the American gangster war movie. Is huh? American Gangster a war movie? No, because it didn't okay. show scenes. Forty percent of the movie they were in Vietnam. Oh, nobody was here, so man. It was not forty no, percent yeah. of the movie. No, no, I don't think the percent of the movie was about Vietnam, though. No, forty percent of the movie they were in Vietnam. Just for that, just why don't you go look at the first one? I don't watch it. You need to listen to another Sergeant Garrett album now. No, no, no. Go watch, go watch Sergeant Garrett's movie, man, and then you count. You count the third movie. Around how to change a fraction into a percent again and see if it's still 40%. 40% of the movie. Dog, you gotta I'll understand. The, the movie was only, hold on, there was only 10 minutes of the movie before he was in Vietnam. The opening scene yeah, was only 10 minutes. But then minutes he was only in Vietnam, Vietnam for 10 minutes. Nah, yeah, he was only over there. He was only over there for like 10 I minutes and then the rest of no, the movie. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Before you I'm know waiting. it, he was I'm right waiting. back at the club and he was I'm in the bedroom. No, no, no. Nah, it was a nah. great movie. It's a great. I love the movie. Great hey, movie. You had you had to go through the scene. The you scene. had to go through the scene where they were in the woods. Where they no, got, where they got what's it. called the first time. Hold on, let me finish. Then oh, they go through the scene where he where he 
It was more of a military movie than Dead Presidents. Yo, I'm telling you. Dead Presidents. You know how long Dead Presidents was? Dead Presidents was a two and a half hour long movie. One hour that was just Vietnam. One hour of that right, is I'm just Vietnam. Check. I'm going to go check. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. You ain't got to check nothing. If anybody talked about military movies, they would not list dead presidents as no military. Like, you ain't got to check that. Don't make him question. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You took Foreign Exchange as the top three album of all time. But you're not gonna you're not gonna check my reference. I didn't take forty I, shades. I, I, wait, I, I, I never, I never said it all time. Check. I did not take forty shades. I uh, said, hey, Rodney, you can't be mad at him because you made a bad choice. Now, Rodney, if you said if you said military, if you said military induced PTSD movie, then president would be top three, no question. It's just not a military movie. There's a gazillion other military movies that will outrank that as a military movie. I'm not talking about yeah. it. I don't care if it out. Then what is it? Then tell me what it is. It's no, a regular movie. I told movie. you what it is. It's not a regular it's movie. A, it's a PT. It's a, it's a, it's a military-induced PTSD. There you go. As long as military is in the title, I'm good. Of, I'm okay One of the most influential sections of any movie. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that title. Because nah, you know I'm what, if you just took that out, because good, check good. check this out. The, the thing is, the re- this is the re- real reason why I say that they could have did the whole movie without them ever going to Vietnam. Yeah, nah, they, they could have just no, no they could have just kept the whole Vietnam scene. Explain explained Look, everything about no, everything they were going no, through. I get it, I get it, but hear me out. They could have just been some dudes that grew up in Brooklyn that just didn't whatever, whatever. And then they they could have said, back. they could have said, went to the military and returned. I just yeah. feel like I feel yeah, like I feel like you know what y'all are triggering me right now, and I feel like that this is not hey, something that I should ball. have to battle. Get your squeeze ball. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like when it, it, it <laughs> hey, hey, advance. If we was talking about football techniques, I would give you okay. Uh, if we were talking about mechanic or or self, what you call it, I would give Sergeant Garrett and and, and Jimmy okay. But we talking <laughs> my in my expertise, which is movies. And you didn't even have the top military. I don't movie. need to consider you, it's and, mine. And you ain't you in the military. It's mine. It's mine. <laughs> it's a opinion. movie about the military. And you ain't. I got one question. Yeah. I got one question. My opinion. There you go. I got one question. Uh, I don't have to answer your question, sir. Hey, no, sir. I don't have to answer your question. It's not about, it's uh, not about now, damn president. Now, now we going on to the next topic. It's not about <laughs> damn president. <laughs> now he want to control the mic. Now he want to control the mic. Full metal jacket. Full metal jacket. Dope. Great movie. Dope. That's what I think Great I was movie. thinking about instead of Platoon now. Full Metal Jacket. I been thinking about that instead of Dead Which one was, which one was, uh, which one was, uh, let you long time? Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. That was Full Metal Jacket. That's what I'm thinking about. That's what I was thinking about instead of Platoon. Full Metal Jacket. All right, well, that was a good, that was a good movie too. Almost as good as Dead Project, but it was a good movie. You know, we talked about um, uh, PTSD and all this. What is your hype song that no matter how you're feeling in life, whatever, if you had, you know, you're feeling down and you want a song to put on that's going to pump you up and change your mood, 
every time you hear, no matter where you hear, what would that song be? Now we're gonna go ahead and skip uh, 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 Sergeant Garrett out of this because we don't appreciate <laughs> his. Uh, I don't know. He's gonna, he's gonna be like presidents for a military movie. <laughs> he's just, you know, he's, he might uh, he's gonna pick uh, something like a, you know, uh, I don't know, something from Little Mermaid or something. I have no idea. So <laughs> I mean, Mermaid, yeah, anything. You know, I've been a music box for decades and decades, man. So the so I I, I gotta preface it though, because I don't really get hype no more. Like when I do, like now it's very few and far between. So I would say, like, right now, my hype song is so laid back because of where I'm at in my space. Um, it's actually the first song from King's Disease 2 by Nas, because I think those three albums and that Magic album are classic, I think, especially when we talk about mental health, growing as Black men, impacting our communities, building financial wealth, getting our mind right. That first song is Pressure, um, because it talks about, you know, the, the pressure on, on his back, um, you know, and what he's doing for himself, what he's doing in his community. I'm not going to try to sit and recite the lyrics, but if you haven't listened to King's Disease, the whole collection, listen to the whole collection, but specifically go to King's Disease to listen to the first song, uh, especially from a mental health aspect. Like, bro, that song is, that's what I start my day with. That's what I drive home to. That's what I listen to when I get my mind right, figure out what's my next power move going to be. Now, when I just want to be, uh, 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 a 20-something-year-old delinquent, or I'm putting on Ambitions of a Rider by Tupac, and I'm just cranking that. Wow, that's, that's, right. that's a good one. You know what I'm saying? Because there ain't not one song you could give me that, that let everybody know that I just got shot five times and I'm about to come over and take over everything, <laughs> or y'all gonna have to kill me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So everybody else's songs that came out, all 50s get rich and die trying, and everybody else who came don't out. Don't bring up 50. We don't bring up 50 on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying, all, all of these other rappers that came out from a resilient standpoint, remember that was Pac coming back after getting shot five times and after being locked up. That ambitious of a rider, you listen to the words in that song. He let everybody mm -hmm. know I'm coming for y'all. Throat. Unfortunately, he got killed behind most of the stuff he said on that album. Yeah, but, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the way he was living. But uh, but nah, man, King's Disease, man, is the most resilient music that you could listen to if you anywhere close to 40 years old uh, um, this day and time um, if you respect hip hop. So if y'all haven't done uh -huh. it, go get it. All right. All right, who wants to go next? I'll go next. Don't worry about it. Let's go ahead. Now. So my, so I had to narrow it down to one song, and I, I, it was a lot of songs I went through that throughout different stages of my life that I could have picked, uh, especially back to like Tupac and this, that, other during that time. But I had to pick one song that right now I know if I listen to it, anytime I listen to it, it, it hypes me up, and that is Dreams and Nightmares by Meek Mills. And that, really? okay. that, I don't think, because every time, you know, hold on, wait a minute. That every time that part happens, I, like if I'm upset, the captain and lieutenant, I just start bouncing. I just can't help it. I just start right. Right with the song. You know what I'm saying? Hey, so have that, you ever seen that? Have you ever seen a high school? Have you ever seen a high school gymnasium? Listen to that. Like they come yeah. out. Yeah. Our, bas our basketball team come out to that. Oh my man, that's crazy. Hey, yeah. look, and they parents be looking around like, how you know all the words, but you get the dag or D in your English class. <laughs> <laughs> hey yo, that joint! 
telling you, I don't know what it is about that song, but every, it don't matter when I hear it, when I hear it, every time. I get, as soon as the beat start and, and, you know, he's talking in the beginning, I start getting psyched just waiting on that part. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like, I was like, oh, yo, every time I'm getting sights just talking about it. So, you know, mm, that's, yeah. so that's mine. That's mine. All right, anybody who next? Yeah, I'm, I'm torn between two, right? So, like, if I'm going to get hyped, you know what I'm saying? Like, my young self is going to say I'm about it. Flat oh, out. My young but self I got to be with my crew, though. I, but I got right. I got to be with my crew. But I can't if, be by myself listening about it. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. Be, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I gotta be with Rodney. I gotta be with everybody because we used to go crazy on that. Uh, right. But oh, if yeah, I'm by yeah, myself, yeah. and y'all gonna laugh at this one, it's a Biggie song. Niggas bleed just like us. Oh yeah, niggas bleed right. just like, like us. Yeah, it yeah, makes me feel like yo, hey. I am invincible. Like, what <laughs> makes you think you better than me? Uh, I ain't gonna yeah, laugh at that. Yeah, that nah, I ain't gonna laugh at that. That's a that's a vicious joint right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, 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 but go back and listen to Hate Me Now with some real oh, shit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, dog. Oh, that, yeah. that, the lyrics in that joint are oh, yeah. sick, man. Yeah. They yeah. are me sick. Now. That was so, like the first ether. That was the first ether for real. So, yeah, was. Go back and listen to that joint and yeah. have a problem at work. Oh, <laughs> listen to that one day when, when, you, when you don't want to go to work. Oh, that's going to give you some resilient emotions. Yeah, Tell you, so. you going to, yeah. you walking up at work like this. You know, I had another conversation with somebody else, and we talked about perfect songs. And "Hate Me Now" was brought up at at that time when it came out. The the vibe and everything that was said right there during that time was just monumental. It was a it was a great life changing song. My man don't get no credit because made you look is made you look as another perfect stuff too. Yeah, perfect song. There's there's Uh, no errors in that song. But that's another podcast because you know I can sit here and talk Nas all day. Yeah, yeah. All right, fellas, well, it's late. We gonna go ahead and see. I do got one for you. I do got one for you. So, yeah, the 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 only time I really need to get hype is when I'm about to like perform or do something, or I'm just I'm just working out. I don't feel like working out. So the song that gets is number one on my playlist is "Long Live the Chief" by Jadena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm familiar. I, I've heard that. Uh, they used to, yeah. that's, that's, from that, uh, that's from nah. That's that. Uh, that's they played that on a Luke Cage man when Cottonmouth was up. Yeah, yeah, it was on Luke Cage. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, and so then, then right after that, you go into Bambi, right? Bambi, 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I, I used to listen to that because I was I was the flight chief, and so that was yeah, I was that exactly. only the chief. Okay, nah, I'm messing with him. All right, <laughs> all, all right, fellas. Hey, it was a great show. I appreciate y'all taking the time out of your day and joining us here at Dad Mentality. Man, oh, it was a pleasure. 
you know, I really needed this show this week. Um, it, 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 it was something that I had I had on my mind that was, uh, you know, like I said, things happened this week that kind of bothered me. But you know what? I'm, God always finds a way. And this show turned out to be a very, very good show that I'm proud of. So I want to keep it that way. And thank you. Thank you, fellas, for joining me. You know, we definitely want to get back together on some more topics. I appreciate as much as I can mess with my uh, Sergeant Jamil Garrett about his music uh, choices, you know, his opinion and, and the things that you, the knowledge that you express on our show is invaluable. And um, I don't, you know, I really appreciate you taking that time. And also my my man, Amelia Graham, Jimmy, I appreciate you taking the time, giving, you know, your message and talking about the personal things that you talked about today. Vance, you know, I appreciate you coming in and joining with me. And I just want to say, uh, you know, thank you. The dad mentality. Also, you can catch us on all platforms. Um, I'm about to get off get off this show and hop on Twitch right now and get some uh, kills on Warzone. So if you want to see me on there, you know it's the Beast One on Twitch. And also, you can uh, email us uh, at dad underscore mentality. You can catch us on all platforms. Thank you all for joining us this week. This is the Beast One and Dad Mentality. God bless and good night.